And uh, I, I was sharing just uh, recently, I'd got, I was going to do it last week, but didn't get to it. Can't keep putting it off forever. Had Dougie's message, it took about three weeks to get it out. But not because he didn't want to, it's just he <laughs> we just uh, got loose and free in the service. But uh, I want you to open your Bibles to me in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And uh, I want to just talk uh, over a couple of Sundays uh, on fig leaves and other coverings. And uh, <laughs> particularly Christian coverings. You can put the word Christian, if you like, on the title. And, uh, but we're going to look at some stuff that stops us actually being authentic and moving forward. And uh, it's ways that people carry on in the church. You're aware that uh, so often in the church, the condition of marriages is not a lot better than it is out in the world. There's something really wrong there, wouldn't you say? Uh, so often people are struggling with the same issues people in the world are struggling with, can't seem to get a breakthrough. That's not very helpful in terms of our witness. And so we want to look at two levels. Firstly, where God wants to take us. We want to look also at removing some of the obstacles, and, uh, and we're going to share a few things on that. But uh, in, in, there's an interesting scripture in, uh, in Luke chapter 8 where Jesus had delivered this man who was totally demonized. His life was totally a mess. The man wanted to follow him. And at the end, and Jesus said this to him. He said, he said, go to your home and testify the good things God has done for you. In other words, he said, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to go into your home environment and into that area where people know the kind of person you were and let them know about how good God is and let them see how your life has changed. Let them know it. And the Bible says that that region there was so oppressed by demonic powers, it, tells, it implies it through the scriptures there, and the people so filled with fear, they actually asked Jesus to leave. And then when this man got testifying, it was so changed when Jesus came back, everyone wanted to hear him. One man, he's a Christian for one day. And his ministry overflows and impacts a whole region and everyone turns around. How did he do it? It wasn't because of all his Bible knowledge. It wasn't because of a lot of things. It was because he had a testimony of a life experience with the Lord that no one could challenge. And that became the weapon God opened up a whole area. So your personal testimony of what God has done and is doing is going to impact the people around you. That's why it has to be fresh. You can't live out of something from yesterday. We have to be current with God. So if I asked you what has God done or has been doing, you should be able to tell me something reasonably recently. And if you're going back three or four years, then it's time you got near to God again and believe to see good things happening in your life. Amen? A couple of weeks ago, we shared our own testimony and shared on two key principles in our own testimony, uh, the principle of honor, the principle of humility. And when we shared just what God had done in our lives, it, there was hardly anyone that wasn't affected because testimony has power to change you. And we didn't share about all our successes. We just shared about where we were broken and Jesus helped us. Not how good or how great or what giftings or how much anointing or what experience. What we did was share about the goodness of God in people who failed and broken lives. And that is what touches hearts. It gives hope something could be different. So we're going to look into this parable. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And uh, we'll get to the fig leaves part, hopefully. If we don't, well, I'll pick it up next time. But this gives you the, the overall setting of where I believe God wants us to move and why we need to address the things in our lives that stop us carrying the life of God and the enthusiasm, the joy, and the passion of the Holy Ghost. Let's have a look. In Luke chapter 10, you know the story. And uh, <clears throat> a lawyer had spoken to Jesus, 
He said to him, well, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he asked him, well, what's in the law? What do you read? He said, you shall, now look at this, love the Lord your God with just your mind. Now he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, everything, and your neighbor is yourself. He said, you've done right to do this and live. And notice what Jesus uh, identified was the primary thing above all things. Number one, this one, if you're doing this, you're doing okay. He says, love the Lord fervently. Every part of you, your mind has got to learn how to love the Lord. Your emotions, uh, love the Lord with your emotions. Love the Lord with your body. Love the Lord with your spirit. Every part of us, we tend to reread it. We read it like this. Or love the Lord with your spirit on Sunday. But that's not what it says. It tells us that the commandment is, the one commandment that sums the whole Bible up, is passionate love, wholehearted love, your heart, that's your emotions, your mind, your thoughts, your feeling, your body, your strength, passionately loving God. You can understand then, if we are not, if there's no passionate expression in a service where God's people are gathered, there's something wrong. It's not fulfilling what Jesus said is the number one thing to do, to love Him. And we love Him because He first loved us. So we need to begin to experience His love. And as we experience His love, we allow His love to bring healing, restoration, change in life. And we express something. We must express something. And it's not just, notice Jesus didn't say it was all about Godward. He said it's also about touching people. Listen, you can't, loving people is the number one indicator of how you're doing with God. Now, how mature you are, how really you've caught the heart of God, it must come into our interactions with people. Spirituality, without engaging people, does become totally disconnected and irrelevant and part of the problem. God calls us to engage Him to have encounters and experiences with Him, and then to overflow with what we have to people who desperately have need. And Jesus made it very, very clear. God loves us passionately. Now, God is not some person up there who's heavy and serious and grim. He's got a big stick and he's looking at you. He's not like that. The Bible says He rejoices over you with joy and rejoicing. God is passionate. We are made in His image and likeness. Jesus was a passionate person. He said, oh, that's not me. Well, you're messed up. There's something wrong. You're missing out on life. You're missing out on something because Jesus, we're designed by God to reflect what he's like. And if you look at the life of Jesus, he was an amazing person. He represented fully what God is like and he was very passionate. He, he rejoiced. That means he laughed and celebrated and rejoiced. He wept openly over the grief of his friends. He prayed. He prayed with strong cry, and that's passionate, and with tears, that's emotion. When he, when he uh, was uh, facing uh, oppression and a struggle and the greatest challenge of his life, going into the garden, knowing tomorrow he's going to die, he wanted friends to be with him. And he was sad that they wouldn't stick with him. Uh, before he came into this experience, he wanted them to come with him. He wanted friendship. We, we just don't see sometimes how full of expression Jesus was. Kids loved him. 
Kids like smiley faces. Anyone who knows kids, they like smiley faces. You've got a serious face, they don't respond. They just see the body is saying it all. Heavy face, keep away. And adults, we're pretty much the same, aren't we? See, so God, see, God is, is full of expression. Look at the expression of creation. Everywhere you look at expression. So God wants us to have expression and learn to be able to, to do that. Now, as we read the story here, you're going to see where Jesus is now illustrating what he's talking about. Now, of course, when we read this parable of the Good Samaritan, you're going to put yourself somewhere in that story, you know. So even as I read it out, you are going to mentally put yourself somewhere. Now, maybe you're the guy on the road beaten up and dying, saying, hey, I'm bleeding to death, someone help me, or even notice me. Uh, uh, maybe maybe you're, you're thinking, well, well, a bit like the Good Samaritan, you know, every now and then I help people out, you know, but almost no one will say that they're the, the priest or the Pharisee or the, or the, or the uh, Levite. We don't want to be that, yet more often than not, we are. That's why I told the story. It's to talk about what loving God passionately and loving your neighbor as yourself really looks like, okay? It's more than just being in a service and being excited on Sunday. He said, a certain man, verse 30, went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him... Well, he passed by on the other side. He's got to get to prayer meeting, you know. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the same place, he came and he looked. So they both looked. They both saw him, you see. And he passed by on the other side. He crossed over the other road. He wouldn't have to go there. Listen, I'm busy, mate. I've got a meeting. I've got a Bible study to do. I've got my home group to get to. You just don't understand how busy I am. I've got to get to things. I'm sorry. You know, and there had been a certain Samaritan. Now, Jesus is... Using the Samaritan, it illustrates, of course, him. Samaritans were despised. The priest and the Levite were spiritual people, supposedly. And here's where the problem, this is what Jesus really, and he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on the oil and the wine, set him on his own animal, took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day when he departed, took out some money, gave it to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him, whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Who do you think was the neighbor to the one who fell among thieves? And he said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, well, go and do likewise. Remember, the original question is, well, who's my neighbor? Jesus reverses it and said, listen, that commandment's not about finding who's your neighbor. That commandment is about becoming a neighbor. Turn to someone and say, howdy, neighbor. <laughs> I could go a bit further with that one. We won't. We'll just stop there. Just keep moving. Otherwise, I get locked out. Okay, now notice that. You notice in the story here, he talks about, he's trying to explain or bring a message out to a certain kind of people. He's talking to church people here, not talking to the unsaved. He's talking to church people about what true, mature spirituality looks like. And so there's a priest. The priest was one who actually ministered in the presence of God. And you and I are all called to be priests to God. He was a Levite. A Levite served in the house of God. So a Levite was also a special person set apart. You could say that the priest and the Levite could easily be us because we're all called to be priests and to minister to God, to worship Him, praise Him, be in His presence, experience Him, love Him. Uh, and the Levite, the Levite is a, represents a person who is serving or involved serving. So no matter how spiritual you are, it fits almost everyone who is a believer here today. We're in the house of God. We're serving. We're worshiping. We're doing something today. 
Now, it says a certain thing that they did. It says, you notice the things that they did. They looked and they saw the guy and they actually would not engage in helping him. This is the point Jesus making. Now, if you have a look at those people, automatically in our heart will say, well, I wouldn't be those people. You know, I'm not like that. But you know, this is, this is the kind of things they did. Let's tick them off. One, they knew the Bible and read the Bible. Okay. All right. uh, number two, they went to church regularly. They were actually really committed people, probably more committed than some here today. And uh, third, they fasted. They fasted every week. Somebody more fasting than some people here do. So they were pretty good people, really. Huh? And uh, what else did they do? Well, they tithed. They tithed of everything. They're very diligent about their tithing. Probably better, more diligent than some of us are. And uh, so they did these things. And uh, they actually had really good behavior. So if you looked at them, well, they were really well-behaved, church-going people. Okay? Now, here's the problem. Their spirituality didn't go into the heart and didn't change the way they lived their life. In other words, they had their experiences and their programs and their things they did on Sunday and through the week, but it never overflowed to what God intended. You've got to understand that when God created us, He had an intention. The first intention is that we be an ambassador, a child of God, one of His representatives, His family to represent Him in the earth. The second is that out of that position or relationship of friendship, sonship with God, we would then bring His life into the earth and change the environment. Now, what He's showing here is, here's some people who are caught up in church world, but there is no overflow to any person who's in need. No overflow. They are preoccupied and busy with church. And there is no overflow from their life to a genuine person in need. And this is what Jesus is really looking at. Now, what they did was their focus was spiritual matters. Well, I, I need to pray, I need to go to church, got a meeting to take, I've got a lot of things to do. They were absorbed in their own world, their religious world, their world of spiritual things, their world of, of church activities. Now, it's great to be involved in church activities. I'm all in for building the house of God. But Jesus is trying to point something that's missing. He's not saying any of those things were wrong. The problem is they didn't actually understand what the heart of God was. Notice that in all of their spirituality, they avoided people in need. Notice both of them saw him. And one actually crossed the other side of the road to avoid him. Now, the last couple of weeks, of course, we've been having a simple exercise, just getting people to be friendly. What I've been watching is to see who avoids who. Come on. To see if people are actually avoiding talking to people. And if we are, we need to realize we're missing something. We've come to church, we're all in the right environment, but something is missing at the core of understanding of the heart of God, and that reflects a change we need to address in our life. Now, you see, on a Sunday, there'll be people come who are part of the family of God. You're regular here. You come and you enjoy what God is doing. There's others who come and they're visitors. They're inquiring. They're new people. My concern, firstly, is for every new person, the stranger in our midst. And then I look and I see, is this in your heart to stretch across to them and smile and say, hello, it's great to see you. Now, we actually do extremely well as a church. I hear reports continually of how friendly we are. But when I look around, I see there are quite numbers of people who, for whatever reason you've chosen, are not stepping up to engage people. 
And this is the lesson Jesus is talking about. People are in need. Now, this guy here had started out on a journey. He represents anyone in life. And on the way, the thieves, that's a picture of demonic powers, came and wounded him and stole what he had. So this is a picture of any person who has started out in life and ended up in turmoil, pain, conflict, hurt, wounded, broken, and they're bleeding and they're in need of someone to represent God and come to them. And this is what we are called to do. We're called to, first of all, be in relationship with our Father and as sons represent His heart. That's why Jesus is bringing this parable out. The religious people proposed that they represented what God was on about, but in their activities actually didn't carry His heart. And that's what He's trying to show up, what loving God passionately and loving your neighbor as yourself is about. It's not saying, don't pray, don't read your Bible, don't come to church, don't tithe. Not saying any of those things. Jesus actually reinforced all of those things. But he said they need to lead to carrying the life of God to people who are broken. And there's not one of us doesn't meet people like that. You, are sur- you cannot go through a week without meeting someone who is on the side of the road, broken, wounded, bleeding. and they ju- If you know what to look for, you can see it easily. It's everywhere. And you and I... Are we so busy with our life that we can't engage these people? Or are we got something of the heart of God and we're just looking for the ones God has called us to minister to? That's where we're going to move in the coming year. We'll be actually equipping and stirring and mobilizing the church to begin to become aware of its responsibility in the community, its responsibility to bring the life of God to people. And I've just been so thrilled to... Uh, to uh, just at uh, the works of Celia and Sarjan and, and others have done, just going out into, even just out into the showgrounds and moving prophetically. They've actually brought God to people and they wept when they felt God. But every one of us can do that. Every one of us can do it in all kinds of different ways. So you notice that they were disconnected from people and opportunity. They actually didn't even see opportunity when it came. I mean, there's the guy right there lying there on the road, and they, 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 they were disconnected from people, disconnected from opportunity, disconnected from the heart and the purpose of God. And not only that, it just revealed that they were broken people themselves. The biggest reason that we don't engage and get involved with people is because we're afraid that we won't be able to cope with their problems and cope with them, which means there's issues in our own life we need to sort through so we can enter the world of another and not be overwhelmed by their needs, be able to just say, no, that's yours, this is how much I help. And you see the principles of this beautifully in the story of the, of the Good Samaritan. It's absolutely amazing how it does. So, but the thing is, these guys had missed their purpose. They'd missed the divine design. And that's the issue that God is speaking to the church about worldwide at the moment in different ways. You'll hear it in all kinds of different ways, different language, different terminology, but in the end, it's the same thing. It's the church arising and beginning to enter and engage the community with the power and the presence of God. And to do that, we've got to get honest about where we're really at in terms of our our, uh, uh, equipping to do it, relationally and spiritually. Now, notice what this man did, the Samaritan. I love this guy here. Now, these guys were religious people. But this guy here demonstrated really what the heart of God is. And so we'll look at this. Here it is. Notice the first thing he said. He certain Samaritan. Now, a certain Samaritan came where he was, and he saw him, and he had compassion. He felt something when he saw a person in need. Now, if you lack compassion, ask the Lord to give it to you. 
Ask the Lord. Begin to pray, God, give me compassion. Help me to feel the struggles of people and, and, and equip me to be able to minister to them. I can't deliver every demon out of the people in this city. You've got to do it. Think about it. Next thing he did, so the first thing was, was a feeling thing. Notice the other guys had no feeling at all. They looked and they saw it, it's not my issue. Keep out of my life. Now, that's actually a culture that's come through the Western world. Don't get involved. We've got to change that. That's so we're not called to represent that culture. We're called to bring the culture of God. The culture of God is get engaged, get involved where he leads you. Not everything. You can't meet every need. You've got to know your limits. And that's part of what we'll talk about as well. But so, in this, so here's what he did. He felt something, and then he initiated connection. Now, people don't turn up. I don't sit in the office waiting for people to come to me. I've got more people that want to come to me than you could ever imagine, but they can't all come to me. But usually, I've initiated contact in some way. Majority of people I get to minister to, I initiate the contact with them. You've got to learn to be an initiator, to actually, here I am, Lord. Now, I, I can't meet every need. I'm not even going to try to meet every need, but there's something I can do today to help someone, and I'm going to do it. It may even just be a smile. whole heaps of ways we can do it. We need to learn some of those ways, and whatever level we're at, we can all get engaged. You can all initiate connection with someone who is hurt. Now, that means, it may just mean getting up out of your seat, going to someone who's sitting on their own, say, hi, how are you doing? Can I just talk to you? I'll buy you a cup of coffee afterwards. That is what this is about, initiating connection. Here's the next thing he did. He went to him, and then he identified where he was broken. Now, that takes a bit more skill. We need to learn some skills how to do that. But he basically, he had to go there, and he had to look at the guy and find out where he was bleeding. Now, he didn't sort of stand away. Oh, I wonder where he's bleeding. He actually went there and inspected him and checked him out and found out where he was hurting and in pain. Now, you have to do that by being able to be a good listener and a good talker, and you can grow in that area, but most people, if you listen to them, will open up and tell you where they're hurt, if you really care about them. Then the next thing, I love this, but he said he poured in the oil and the wine. Now, the oil and the wine always in the Bible speak of the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Now, remember, this is what true life is, love is about. It's not just doing practical things to help people. It's actually carrying the anointing of God and having something supernatural to put in someone's life. And to have that oil and wine, he must have bought it. He must have paid a price to have the anointing of the Holy Ghost at work in his life. So when he went to people, when he found out the needs, when he saw what the problem was, he had something he could put in. He had that anointing of the Holy Ghost, a word of comfort, a word of encouragement, deliverance, healing, ministry of some kind. Every one of us, you got the Holy Ghost to do that work. And if you don't know what to do, commit in the coming year, get trained. Get trained. Learn how to bring God to people. And also, be willing to face what stops you going to people and engaging them. That's an internal thing. The other is easy to learn, and it's a part of a lifestyle. Eh? This is what Jesus is talking about. This is it. This is the thing. See? Notice here, poured in the oil and wine. Now, I love that part because that's all the apostolic commission. That is all about the apostolic commission. Go into the world as a sent person, sent by God. If you start to think where I live, where I work, where I go to school, that is where God sent me. I am apostolically commissioned to go there and to discover those that God called me to minister to. 
and then to engage them by initiating the connection, find out where the needs are, and bring something of God to them. Every believer is called to do that. You cannot hide in a prayer meeting and fulfill the call of God. The prayer meeting, we engage God, we build with Him, we draw from Him, we experience Him, then we fulfill the Great Commission by going and touching people with what we've experienced. We've got to learn how to do that. So that's the Apostolic Commission. Now, the second part is in here as well, is the area of pastoral care and discipleship. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. The guy knew his limits. He knew he could not do it all himself. And one of the great skills you've got to learn is where your limits are. You can't do it all yourself. And neither does God expect you to. We've got to at times learn to draw lines and say no more, even if people want more. There's others can carry it on. So what he did was the next thing you see, the, the, the pastoral care and discipleship, he took him to the inn. The inn in the Bible here is a picture of the local church, a community of believers. He took him to a place and connected him with other people who could help him. You don't have to have all the answers. You just got to be willing to have a good feeling for people. And when you see them in need, go to them and do what you can. And then attract them to where someone else can carry on the job. Notice the next thing he did. He provided resources to ensure that the man's recovery took place. And then he checked up and followed him up to see how it was. Now, Jesus said, that's what loving God with all your heart and loving your neighbor as yourself is all about. It actually is revealed not in the Bible school. It's revealed not in the worship service. It's revealed not in any of these things. It is revealed in the way you connect with and touch the lives of people. Now, it doesn't mean that the others aren't important. They are vitally important. Is it important to pray? Yes. Is it important to worship? Yes. Is it important to engage God? Of course. This is where the source is. But if you access the source and ever fulfill the purpose you frustrated the plan of God. He said in Acts 1.8, you shall receive glorious power from on high. Visions, dreams, revelations, prophecies, all kinds of wonderful things. And you can just wallow in them, enjoy them like a pig in a hollow. Didn't say that, did he? He said, no, you get them, and he said, then that's what equips you to go to Judah and Jerusalem, the local town where you live, Judea, around us in the bay, and then Samaria, and then beyond, and everywhere. He said, that is the purpose of the Holy Ghost. It's given to you to get you out there so you can be a representative of God and minister God to people. That's what it's about. It's not about meetings. Meetings are about encouragement, engaging God, being built up, but actually our life call is about engaging God, allowing Him to shape us so we can represent Him in the community. And you know what He is like? He even left heaven and came to a grubby, dirty, sinful world and engaged it. Does that cost you something? It sure does. Does that hurt you a bit? Whoa, just look at the nail prints. Do people like you for it? Not always. Is it messy? Incredibly. Do you have times when people let you down? Just believe that. That's why the Holy Ghost is given to you. 
So you can be healed of your hurts and carry on with the fire of God and minister to people. That's what Jesus said this is about. That is the church he's building. That's what he had in mind. A spirit-filled, Holy Ghost, blood-clean people who are passionate for God, expressing for God, Woo! and not ashamed to tell God they love him and encounter him and spend time in his presence. But then when they get out of the meeting, they're in the mission field and they're ambassadors. They're apostolic, comely people, anointed by the Holy Ghost, and they've got some changing to do around them. Got a mandate to shift something. Trouble is, years ago, the church got into a rapture doctrine, and most Christians are waiting for Jesus to come and hoist them out of it. It's all a lie. He's called you to get into it and mess in with it. Get rolling around in it. And do you get hurt? Yeah, you'll get a bit hurt. Have a look around. It's the history of the church gets hurt. Doesn't it? Have a look how it started. Have a look at the founder. But that's what we're called to do. We're called to carry a glorious mission, to live out a great cause that our community would change, that the people around us would be impacted by Jesus Christ, that God's power from heaven would come into the earth, passivity would be overcome, that negativity be overcome, apathy overcome, sickness overcome, oppression overcome, something changing because God's people woke up to why he put them on the earth and said, yes, Lord. I will be like the good Samaritan. I'll pay the price for the wine and the oil. I'll pay the price to get my life touched and experience you. And then look out world. I'm just waiting for someone to pour the oil and the wine into. That's the shift God is making worldwide. It's always been what he intended. It's just sometimes we get caught up in all kinds of other stuff. But let's keep the main thing the main thing. Engaging God and bringing God to people and seeing their lives changed. You be part of that? You better believe it. That's where we're going. That's where God is leading His church worldwide. It's not just what we're doing here. It's where God is leading His church worldwide. Worldwide. This gospel, this great news of Jesus Christ, and the kingdom of God, and the power of God, it must, it must be proclaimed through all the ends of the earth. It must be. Will you be part of that? Will you prepare yourself? Will you break out of whatever restricts you? If you can't go to people, ask God, what is wrong with me? Help me to break out of it. Get into some course and get delivered or healed. and Learn some relationship skills. Learn how to get the anointing of God to flow through you. And then go for it and make a difference. Go for it and make a difference. Oh, I tell you something, there's no limits to the person that says, I am here for a purpose to reach the world for Christ, to make disciples of Jesus Christ and advance the kingdom of our glorious God and Savior. Can you say amen to that? Let's stand and give the Lord a great clap. Come on, let's stand and give Him a great clap. Hallelujah. This is our destiny. This is what we are called to do. This is the church of the living God. Sons and daughters carrying the heart of God and the capacity to minister the life of God to people. My goodness, come on church, let's clap, let's rise, shake the dust off us, stand up on the inside, begin to believe I can make a difference. My life will make a difference. 
I'll no longer live in that place down there. I'll stand and fulfill my destiny.